Amen, amen, amen. Help me say bye to the kiddos, everybody. Y'all have a good, you have a good evening. Follow Miss Taylor and maybe Miss SK, it looks like. And Miss Catherine, I believe, is helping somewhere back there too. Thank you to all of our kids, volunteers, and team that make it happen. She's going to hate me for this, but I chase squirrels, and I want to say congratulations to Brittany Lee all the way in the back for being engaged. She's here. She doesn't want me to say it, but we love to celebrate union. Hey, welcome. We love, uh, we love to see so many new faces. If I don't know you, my name's Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. Marcus already introduced himself, so it's my turn. We're on the heels of a of a transition season, and we've been building the church here in downtown Gainesville, which has been really exciting. Anybody excited about that or just me? So it's really cool. We're, we're grateful that you're here and a part of it. If you've never been with us, we'd love to get your information and uh, for you to let us know how we can get you plugged in, whether it's to a group or to a serve opportunity or both, which is what we would recommend. We believe that God has placed us here in Gainesville to really make a difference for the sake of Jesus. And we say around here a lot, everyone's welcome here because no one's perfect. And we're grateful for that reality because Jesus is our forerunner and because he has won the war on sin and death and hell and the grave, we can stand here victorious in his name and we can, we can come together building a kingdom that will not fail. Building a kingdom that will last forever. The only thing that will last forever is the kingdom of God. So welcome to that if you want to be a part of something that's going to last forever. Uh, what's not going to last forever is our series through the book of Ephesians. However, it has lasted for a long time. And we're getting really close to being done. Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn there. Ephesians 5 verses 11 through 21. We got a, a nice little chunk that we're going to be studying together. I love this section of scripture. I was telling Marcus before tonight, this chapter was not really my favorite, and now it's getting close to being my favorite in the whole letter. It's not still, but it's close, and I'm excited to teach through it tonight because we've been walking through this sort of ebb and flow of Paul in this letter, specifically in this chapter but even before that, remember, the first three chapters, we're talking a lot about identity, right? Here's who you are in Christ because of what Christ has done. He didn't talk about duty in the first three chapters. He talked about doctrine first. He talked about who we are. He wanted to make sure that we understood that as children of God, first and foremost, we are adopted into his family because of Jesus. We don't come into this family because of something that we did to earn it. And that's important that we get that order right. Remember, we've been teaching through this. So the first three chapters kind of set the table for the last three chapters, which talk more about what we are to do from this place that we've been given at the table with the family. And so now, this week, especially in the last couple of weeks, if you were here last week and the week before last week, Marcus, you know, he... he he took it a little easier, I think, than the week before because, you know, the week before was hard. I mean, I did not want to. I wish we would have switched weeks sometimes, you know, like let's plan that better so I don't have to get the hard ones every time. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Marcus is a, is a great preacher. For those of you who haven't heard, please come back next time. And as we teach through this book, we see the ebb and the flow. We see he, Paul talks about walk in love. Remember beginning of chapter 5. Walk in love as imitators of God. As children of God, walk in love. And then, and then remember the next few verses he talks about, but don't walk in darkness. Walk in love. Don't do these things. Do this. And then we come to verses 8, 9, 10, and he, he kind of changes gears, and he talks again about walk in the light. As children of the light, live out this call. Walk in this call, this adoption. And now this week, again, we, we kind of come back around to the don't walk in darkness. Don't walk this way. And it's so important that we understand how he's walking us through what he was writing to the original audience. Don't forget that this is written to the Ephesians. It's for us today. We do study this and it's applicable for us, but the original intent was to somebody specifically. And in these days, the, the, the Ephesian Christians, they were living in a society that was riddled with sin and immorality. In fact, their temple was the hot commodity. People would travel from all over, and we've talked about this the last several weeks, but they would come to the temple to worship false gods and do all sorts of things that was not, was not good and was not right. And sexual immorality was rampant. Drunkenness was rampant. They, were, they had all these things that were becoming such a problem for the people in the society. And so the Christians in Ephesus were having a very hard time being the light in such darkness. And this is where we can see that though it was written to the people in Ephesus, it's applicable for us today. Amen. Because there's a lot of darkness around us. Marcus talked about the kids going back to school, and I have young kids, and I'm thinking about all that they could be taught, right? Like there's so, there's so many things that are finding their ways in, finding their way in to our children's minds because we're living in this this culture of, I'm trying not to say what's in my mind, but there's a TV show, there's a Netflix show that we found out today is talking about uh, marriage in a way that we don't believe is biblical, same-sex marriage. And now I can't, I don't want my kids to watch this anymore because now if they do watch it, I'm going to explain it very clearly. But what are we dealing with today? We're dealing with some significant uh, oppositions to what we teach and what we believe in the Bible. Bluey is the name of the show. I love the show. What the heck? What's happening? I don't know what episode it is. I just found out. I got to go watch it and make sure. Anyway, that's not the sermon. But it's darkness all around. Anybody know Bluey? Raise your hand if you know Bluey. We love Bluey. What? what the? All right, we'll talk about that later. Let's have a breakout session. That's not the... Get back to it. All right, here we are. Walk in the, walk in the light. Don't walk in darkness. Darkness is all around these people in Ephesus, and they're trying their best to... To, to live as Christians, and, and Paul is saying to them, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, but you are still to walk in the light. I love this quote I wanted to share from one of my favorite old preachers um, that's not alive anymore. His name's Alexander McLaren. He said, the difficulty of obedience does not affect the duty of obedience. I like that. Walk in the light. And we think about this reality of light and dark. We know that light is stronger than dark, 
right? I'm going to unpack that in a minute. Let's, read, let's first read the scripture because that's more important than what I'm saying. You ready? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. Paul says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Somebody say unfruitful. But instead, expose them. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, but rather expose them. So you, your duty as a Christian is to take no part in these works of darkness that is unfruitful and instead expose them. This is not a suggestion. So if Bluey's got some dark in it, I'm exposing it. You see what I'm saying? But should we be nice? We'll keep going. Verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, in secret, in darkness, without anyone knowing, because if there was light on it, it would be exposed. Verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's beautiful. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Some of you are like, I've been trying to understand that for a very, very long time. And what I want to encourage you with today is it's an endless journey. And that's the point. Sink deeply into his word. The will of the Lord is in these pages. As you sink deeply in it, you may not have all the answers, but it's a journey in faith. And he will give you what you need along the way. You can trust that. And I don't remember where I am. There we are, 18. I like that. I don't know who said it, but I like that. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We're going to spend some time there too. Verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything. I like that. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray together before we jump in. Father God in heaven, I ask now that you shine your light on your holy scriptures, that you teach us by your word, that you help us to be more like you as we consider what you've given us to live by. Yes, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Walk in the light. Don't walk in the darkness. There was a lot of darkness. Most of those verses were more about what not to do than what to do. And this is important when we, when we think about the way we live life and we think about even the relationship between light and dark, just in, in general. My son has 
uh, a fear of the dark. I think it's kind of normal. Uh, he's almost four. He'll be four in a couple weeks. Nine days, less than a couple weeks. And pray for my wife especially because he's a handful. And he just got a haircut, so he's even more, like, cute. So that's going to be a problem one day. And he's scared of the dark, so he wants a flashlight and a nightlight, right? He, wants, he always wants a light. He needs a light at, at nighttime. And so when he first got his flashlight, he was so excited because he, he, could, he could light up underneath his sheets. You've done that before. Anybody done that before? Like you make a tent with your knees and you just, and you just sit there and all night long. And it's very hard to fall asleep, but eventually maybe you do. And most of us probably left them on all night. My son just left it on because he fell asleep with it on. He, he couldn't go to sleep with it dark. And I, the interesting part of what happens when the flashlight is left unattended is it eventually runs out of batteries. And when the flashlight runs out of batteries, it's dark, right? Because the darkness is all around it, and there's no light to affect the darkness. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about how Darkness seems so overwhelming when it's all around us. But the reality is the only way that dark can defeat light is if light stops shining. Darkness is always the passive victim to what light chooses to do. Do you see that? Do I need to show you? I was going to, sh- I want to show you. Can we do that? Okay, let's do that. Hey, Becca, can you help me illustrate this, please? Don't be scared, guys. Okay, you see this? Okay, so it's dark, you know, it's dark in here. Somebody's coming in. I'm sorry. This is really, this is really awkward. They're, hey, welcome. This isn't normal. Hey, sorry. Follow the light. No, the, turn them back on. <laughs> That was the most, that was the best and worst timing ever in the history of, of City Church and every other church. We would love to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. It's a place where everyone's welcome because no one's perfect. We also congratulated Brittany, so y'all can take part in that. It's an awesome day. I don't know your fiance. What's your fiance's name, Brittany? Ben? My man. Good to meet you. Okay. Can we take the lights off again, please? Okay. I want to just do this. Sorry. Okay. Oh, yep. Here we are. So the only way, even though it's completely, not completely, but almost completely dark in here, and it's overwhelming when you think about it, the only way that this light can be defeated is if it's turned off. That's the only way. So no matter how dark it gets, the darkness has no power. Sorry, there's three steps. Okay. The darkness has no power against this light. This is an internal battle that I'm holding in my hands that very much affects an external reality. The only way darkness is never stronger than light. No matter how much we convince ourselves that it is, no matter how much dark is around us, it's not ever going to be stronger 
than light. The only way for darkness to win is if the light stops shining. Okay, we can take, we can take the, the light back on. There we are, okay. We okay? Everybody good? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So my son, he, he was sleeping with the light, and when he would leave it unattended for too long, it eventually went out, and he had to ask his father to come and replenish the batteries so that the light could shine again. And this is a reality that Paul was trying to teach. He was saying, okay, I understand that it's dark all around you. But the darkness has no active power over you. It's up to you whether or not you're going to shine. So how do we turn on the light, right? So it's, it's like, okay, that's great. I wish I had a switch like that when I need it with my life, with with my energy, with my joy, with my comfort, with my peace. I wish I could just flip a switch and turn on a light. I wish it was a wiring issue that I could just rewire. (laughs) And maybe God the Father is waiting for you to come and be replenished to get what you need on the inside so that you can shine. How How does that happen? How how can we shine? It's in our text today, verse 14 that we read earlier. This is how we shine, very practically. Verse 14, therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So we have a call, we have a command, and we have a promise. Awake, we hear the voice. Awake, O sleeper, one who has fallen asleep, one who is in a slumber and not able to flip their own switch. And arise, there's the command, arise from the dead, stand up, and then Christ will shine on you, the promise. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Love this. Because that's our only hope for shining. That's our only hope. Is that Christ would shine on us. But there's there's things that happen prior to him shining on us. If you look, it's awake, O sleeper. It's that call. And then it's arise from the dead. You've been commanded to rise and walk and live and walk in the light. And Christ will shine on you. Christ will give you the batteries. Take no part, I want to go back to verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's challenging. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Romans 13, 12 says, the night is far gone The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul says the the night is far gone. Like, it is finished. Remember, Jesus said that. Remember. And the day is at hand. The, The opportunity to walk in step with the one that we follow who paid it all for us is at hand. So 
put off, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. John 30, 20 and 21, these are the words of Jesus. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Mm. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light because his works would be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. That's really interesting. We don't come to the light to show how many medals we won. We come to the light to prove that what we've been doing is all for him. And Paul said, take no part in works of darkness. It is to be exposed by the light. It is to be exposed. It's to be enlightened by truth because it's ultimately fruitless and it leads to destruction. Think of, think of the reality that there will be people that come before God one day totally empty-handed, thinking that what they have is actually worth something. I wrote a few things down that I was thinking of. Consider, consider the man that stands before God. Oh, Lord, I made a big fortune in Dallas when I lived there, and, and I left it all behind me because I couldn't bring it with me. Or the, the NASA scientist. What about this? I mean, I've always wanted to be. Anybody actually wanted to ever have a, nobody? Okay. I didn't, I mean, they're cool, I guess. All right, NASA scientist. What about the NASA scientist? I figured out how to send a man to the moon. We made it to, the, to, to heights that no one had ever done before. And then with just one glimmer of light here in eternity, all has proven to be frivolous. Standing before your glory. Or since we're in the Olympics, let's do one more. The athlete saying, I made it all the way to the top of my sport. I won six gold medals. I've got countless trophies. And, and, and they all dropped through my hands on the way here. And all I'm left to say is nothing in my hands I bring. Do you remember that old hymn? Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. The truth is we are going to come empty handed. The difference is. Are we going to be clinging to the cross of Christ or are we going to be clinging to our trophies that are quickly slipping through our fingers? It's fruitless. It's fruitless, these, these works. Even when they appear to be good, even when you're being praised for them, they are fruitless if they're not rooted and established in Jesus and His purposes and His eternal plan. What are we giving our lives to? You know, what, are, what is the work of our days? The, the truth is these works of darkness are, are unfruitful and they're fading. They're, they're transient. They're here one day and gone the next. 
It's like a bubble in the river. You know, it, it bubbles up and it sparkles and it's gone. So take no part in these unfruitful works of darkness, Paul says. Verse 14, look at this. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's no direct reference from the Old Testament for this passage that Paul is quoting. It's pretty interesting. The closest one, in my opinion, there's a few in Isaiah, but the closest one is Isaiah 60, verse 1, where the prophet is speaking on the Lord's behalf, and he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It's not a direct quote. It's not a direct reference. It's, it's a, a paraphrase, and it's close enough. And a lot of people, as I was studying this week, got so lost in why did Paul not exactly quote when he says, therefore, it says, why is he not directly quoting something? You know, is he actually talking about scripture? Is it is it a is it an ancient Christian hymn that he might be quoting? All of these things are fun and they're interesting, but we're not going to spend any more time on that because it's distracting from the main point. OK, everybody good with that. That's where we are. <laughs> He said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I want you to see the call, the command, and the promise. This is huge. These people were in darkness, dark, dark, darkness. And Paul's telling them the way to shine. And it reminds me of his, of his conversion, Paul's conversion. He's telling his testimony in Acts chapter 26. I'm just going to read these verses and they'll be on the screen, starting in verse 12. Paul says, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun. I've taught on this before here. Some of you might remember. Brighter than the sun. Have you ever looked at the sun? Like, I just looked at that, and now I can't see you. Brighter than the sun is how bright this light was from heaven. And it shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I didn't see anybody fall to the ground when I turned my, my flashlight on, you know. Wasn't that bright. I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, God speaking to him in a way he could understand. Love God. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I, Paul, said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But look at this, verse 16. Because we've got the call now, and here comes the command. Rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. I will shine on you, the promise. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you 
to open up, here's your purpose, Paul, to open up their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. you got to understand that Paul at this point, before Jesus came to him in this way, in this miraculous way, Paul was walking in utter darkness. He was living out his days in utter darkness, literally killing Christians. Most of you know that. But it's good to be reminded. And he saw a great light and he heard the voice and he knew it was the Lord Jesus without even an introduction. The call came. And then he was commanded, rise, stand up. I have a purpose for you. And then he was promised. Jesus promised Paul that he would be with him. That he would help him to deliver the people. That he would help them to open up their eyes. That he would help them to turn from death to life. Alexander McLaren, I mentioned this earlier. I mentioned his name earlier. I want to read this quote, this, this other quote from him. This very challenging for me. For many of us, The land is flashing in the sunshine, but within our houses there is midnight darkness. Not because there is not light around, but because the shutters are shut. Oh, brothers and sisters, it is a solemn thing to choose the darkness rather than the light. And here's where I'm going to share a little bit of personal conviction from my studies this week because I was thinking about this reality that my house, it's one thing to talk about trying to remain lit when everything is dark around you. That's, that's, a, hard, that's a hard thing, yes. But what about the flip side of that? When everything's bright around you and you're surrounded by good people that are doing good things, that are following Jesus and living out their call, and your house is dark. Because that's the thing, too. And I was challenged this week. I was hit square in the face. That when it's dark in my house, I did it. I did it. I'm responsible. I did it because of my indifference. I did it because of my neglect. I did it because I let my mind wander. I did it because I chose what wouldn't last over what is eternal. And now the lights are off. This is a very real possibility. And it's probably more Relevant to preach on than the first thing that we talked about. Keeping your house lit when it's dark all around you. Yes, that's real. But I'm afraid that it's a little more real for us in Western, in the, in Western culture. The Bible Belt. Maybe some of our houses are surrounded actually by light, but they're dark. And we have the answer And we come every week and we hear the word of life. 
We come every week and we're asking for more, like more events and, and more times to come and learn and grow. We're surrounded by light and it's a good thing, but I'm wondering if, you're, if anybody in the room is coming here and you're looking for light, but you're going back to your house and the shutters are shut. And I think that may be a little more relevant for us today. Because we need to start taking responsibility for our house. We need to start taking responsibility. Yes, of what we let in. And yes, of, of, of whether or not we're shining in a dark place. But we also need to take responsibility if we have the shutters shut. In our indifference and in our neglect and in our, our wondering of our minds and in our our addictions and our choices and our patterns. The answer is always the same. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Listen to the call, obey the command. And live in the promise. Do you see that? Awake. Do you hear it? If you hear it, then obey the next one, which is arise. And if you obey that, you can trust and, and believe that Christ will shine on you. The light is all around. Even in the darkest of dark, even though our culture is getting darker and darker and darker and we, and we yell at the TV and we complain about where it's going and we're scared for our children, I get it, I'm there, but the light is still all around. You know why? Because we know the answer. We know the hope and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us as believers in Jesus and we are the light. We have to start shining the light is all around us. We just need to open up our eyes and it will pour in. It's the house that's dark. It doesn't realize that it's midday. You've been sleeping. Been sleeping. Went to bed too late. Did some stuff you shouldn't. Been sleeping. And you pull the curtains back and boom! Nobody wants to admit to that. You know, it was a long time ago. Yeah, okay. The light is all around you. Enough of that. But it is time for us as Christians to take responsibility for our house. Paul continues, verse, verse 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. Walk wisely. Then verse 16 says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Make the best use of the time because the days are evil. I want to spend a little time here. This is this hit me. This is this is great right here. Make the best use of the time also translates to buy up the opportunity. Like buy it. Buy buy up the time. And it's not it's not buy time like we use that phrase, you know, to to buy time to to stall or you know, that, I don't know. It's interesting that we use it that way. The idea here is, is more like the owner of a store 
who knows the value of a product that they need to buy to then resell. And they know the value of it, but they also know how valuable it could be and how useful it could be. And so they buy it immediately. You see that? It's an urgency because you know the value and you know the purpose and you know the potential. That's a whole sermon, you know? Are we urgent with our time? Because time is your most precious commodity. Buy it up, is what Paul's saying. Make the the best use of it. And look also that he says, he doesn't say buy time. He doesn't say make the best use of time. He says make the best use of the time. This is a definite portion of time for a definite work. It's specific. Somewhere, sometimes elsewhere in Scripture, it's used to describe seasons or opportunity. Galatians 6, verse 9, just really quick. This is a familiar verse, but it's the same word here. Paul is writing to the Galatians. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season, same word, we will reap if we do not give up. It's, It's a specific Season. In, in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. It's not just time in general. No, you've been apportioned time and you've been apportioned a task and you've been given gifts and abilities to live it out. I love that. Nobody else does, but I love that. It's not, it's not merely time, it's the time. And we got to realize that we're on a special mission, a, a special work that's been given to us specifically. And that, that changes, that, that frames the way that we see this next verse. Verse 18, Paul comes to this principle of sobriety, right? Let's put this on the screen, Ephesians 5, 18. And do not get drunk with wine, or any other strong drink, careful, any other strong drink, you know what I'm saying? Liquor, beer, never been sicker, in the clear, whatever. For that is debauchery. But be filled, my sister liked that one. Did you like that one, Deb? No. All right, nobody else did. Everybody's like, quieter than some church mice in this thing. We're talking about drinking again. Watch out. It won't be long, but I do want to say this because Paul did. Do not get drunk with wine or liquor or beer or anything strong. For for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. And if you take this in context, this, this subject actually naturally flows from what he's teaching. We're talking about making the best use of our time. We're talking about being wise, not unwise. We're talking about not walking foolishly, not not losing opportunity to walk in the light, not making room for darkness at all. And remember, he's speaking specifically to the people in Ephesus that were struggling in this area of getting drunk, of abusing alcohol. And we know that when you're, when you're drunk, you, you lose control. You lack self-control. And the more you have, the less self-control you have until it's completely out the window. 
You can't walk straight, much less act straight, right? When you're drunk. And the worst, worse than all that, I think, is that when you're drunk, you are blind to the meaning of the moment. You're blind to the meaning of the moment, the purpose. It's it's almost impossible to think about the will of God, and we can argue that, it's okay, but there's, I know there's levels and all the deal, but like, when you're drunk, first thing on your mind usually is not the will of God. It's usually my passions and my desires and what I want to do. Because that's what it does. That's how it alters the mind. And even if the will of God comes to you when you're in this state it's a fleeting thought because you can't control your mind you can't you can't stay focused on anything when you're in this state and so the will of the lord even though it may have come quickly it's gone just as fast being intoxicated makes obedience to god very difficult if not impossible because you become a slave to your own desires rather than his. And as one scholar that I read this week said, this, speaking of drunkenness specifically, this mastered vice carries all other vices in its pocket. That is relevant to me. I have been there. Because when you are taken, when you're captive to being drunk, it's such a gateway to everything else. This master vice has every other vice in its pocket, and it brings it out one at a time. Oh, you think she looks good? Here it comes. We don't need to go down the list. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't be drunk on wine, for it leads to debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And this is what I want to focus on. Because you've heard this verse preached, and most of the time it's probably out of context. But what I want to focus on here about being filled with the Spirit is that is a command to be filled with the Spirit. Do not do this, he says. Do this. Be filled with the Spirit. Not a suggestion, not a good idea, not even a way out of the temptation to get drunk either, by the way. This is the way of the Christian. And to need to be filled means that we aren't filled because we're filled with other things. Be filled. With the Holy Spirit. Don't let anything else master you. You were meant to be mastered by the Holy Spirit of God. You were meant to be captivated by His love and His joy and His mercy. You were meant to be mastered. Some of you are like, I can't, I can't shake it. I get it. I have empathy for that. I can't. We can't shake it. I just can't shake it. That's because you're hardwired to be mastered 
But you're not supposed to be mastered by things that are going to lead you to destruction. You're supposed to be mastered by the only one who can give you everything you need. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. <laughs> if, I love how many of you just walk up to your friends and just, oh, you know. It's not contextual, right, for us today. But that would be so cool if we were comfortable enough, you know. How many of you only sing in the shower? One. Hey, love you, Tane. I'm glad. Somebody else does, surely. Anybody? Nobody? Malachi says him. He's just wanting to be with you. So everybody sings. Great. So this verse isn't hard, right? So next time you come up to your friends or next time I see you on the porch, I want you to start singing about the joy of the Lord that's going to be your strength. Do you see the point? It's not, be, it's not go be weird. It's, you will be weird. When this, when you've been mastered by the Holy Spirit, when you've been captivated by His grace, when you're enthralled with His love, you just sing. You just sing. You just, you greet each other. You address each other with this joy. It just comes out of you. You're like, I can't sing. That's fine. Your life sings. Trust me. You're Georgia fans. You're singing about it. He says, address each other with this, with, with, with this Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. What if you came up to some, this is such a side note and I don't have time, but I want to say this if I can. I don't have permission, but I'm going to do it. Um, what if you came up to somebody and you haven't yet forgiven them because they've hurt you? And instead of thinking about why they hurt you, you had a song in your heart. It wasn't because they're great. It was because God is great. Do you think that might change the way that you interact with people? Even when they hurt you? That's what Paul's encouraging here. In verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything. That's hard, too. We should have broken this up. There's so many in, in these sermons in this. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's interesting here that in the Greek, in the original language, verse 18, 19, 20, and 21 is actually one long sentence. And it culminates in this reality of mutual submission like you and I submitting he says submit to one another submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ what that's kind of a weird way to end this don't get drunk submit to one another don't be unwise be wise submit to one another out of reverence for Christ it's interesting and we see here Submission is the final result of the Spirit's filling. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. To do that, we have to submit to Him. To do that, we have to 
get ourselves out of the way. A biblical word for that is crucify the flesh and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's an act of submission. And after that's taken place, we're now called to submit to one another. This is important to notice, especially as we head into next week's message, because we're going to talk about the relationship between husbands and wives, and we'll get more into this reality of submission. And when we hear that word, we have, some of us have this like, ooh. But I want to talk next week especially about why it's actually a good thing, why it's actually healthy. We see here that as we submit to him, then we submit to one another. And we also see there's a motive for this submission to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Healthy submission to one another begins with right worship of Jesus. That's what that means to me. And that's important. And it's important to God that we understand this horizontal submission to one another, this relationship. Because we're a body. Remember, we talked about this in the book of Ephesians. We're a body. We're to be in community. Growth happens in community. I wrote it down. That's good. We're going to use that. Because we're meant to be together. We're meant, and, and, and how that works is we are submitted to the Father. We're submitted to the Spirit, mastering us, being filled with Him. And then we submit to one another. We don't lord over each other. We don't expect people to get in line around here. Yes, there's roles and there's responsibilities and there's offices within the church. But we're all submitting to one another. Why? Because we have reverence for Christ. And we gladly submit to one another because we stand in awe of what Jesus has done. We forgive because he forgave. Say that one again. We forgive because Jesus forgave. We show mercy because Jesus showed mercy. We are patient with one another because Jesus was patient with us. We are kind because Jesus was kind. We are compassionate because Jesus was compassionate. We love because he first loved us. And by the way, what he was, because all that was past tense, for those of you that are quizzing me, I do know that he's alive. And what he was, he is. And what he is, he will be forevermore. Without fail. Just for clarity. It's only because of him. It's only because of his life and his death and his resurrection that we can live and we move and we have our being. If you're here tonight and, and, you're, and you're still in the dark, you're still asleep, I don't, know, I don't know what that looks like for you because all of, us, all of us have a different journey. Some of you may just flat out not be a Christian. Like you don't follow Jesus. If you're here and you don't follow Jesus. 
and you're walking in these ways of darkness, the answer is the same. Listen to the call. Do you hear him? He's calling tonight. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. If you've never trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, listen to the call. Obey that command. Arise, he says, and Christ will shine on you. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's a free gift that's only by grace through faith we are saved in Christ alone. But some of you may just be in darkness. You are a Christian and you are following Jesus, but the shutters are shut. Curtains are shut. I want to encourage you in the same way to listen to the call, to obey the command, and to live in the promise. Maybe time to open up the curtains and stop walking in darkness. And start walking in the light. Father God in heaven, I come to you now in Jesus' name. And I'm asking that you continue to move in this place as we consider your death and your resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins. And we partake in the Lord's Supper together, I pray that for those of us that are far from you and for those of us who are close, I pray that we would be able to hear your voice, to hear your call and obey what you're saying and then walk in the light, walk in the promise that you will shine on us. We praise you and we thank you for these moments. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for never failing us, for never leaving us, for never forsaking us for always being faithful. It's in your name we pray, amen.